0: You are now locked in to another episode of Meg Talks, the people's platform home to queer POC Millennial Conversation. Welcome to anyone tuning in for the first time, man. Welcome, welcome. And big up yourself, large on life, yeah? If you've been locked in from the beginning, there's a lot of you that have just been supporting me on this journey. This is, I just want to show you some appreciation for me. It means absolutely everything to me. So big up yourself, You can find every single episode on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Pod. So log in, listen, share, like, comment, review, do all of that. Do all of that and help me build up this thing. Thank you so much for all the return listeners. You guys are the community now. You guys are basically the people. Them like you've been supporting so hard. And just to say, guys, we are nearly at 500 downloads. We're nearly at 500 downloads. I cannot believe it. So, listen, we're on the we're on the final push for 500, guys. So come, let's rack up these rack up these downloads. But anywho. If you are tuned in for the first time, welcome, greetings, love. I hope you enjoy this episode and you can catch up with every single episode on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts and Anchor. So definitely tune in and catch up. There's a lot of great content to catch up on. However, guys, I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with a, actually a friend of mine. So this person is a creative director and founder of Gender Swap, which is fashion outreach organization which supports gender non-conforming individuals and trans individuals and overall just supporting the community and for me there's something very very special and very very unique about this person because they've got a fine balance of academia and creativity you tend to find people with one or the other but actually they've got a fine balance so i just want to open up this space and welcome santi into the goddamn building what's happening hey
1: how's it going I'm good (laughs) (laughs) how are you yeah I'm good I'm yeah I'm all right yeah
0: yeah guys I've got a confession I'm hanging
1: (laughs) I've
0: been outside outside and outside feels good (laughs) the girls are looking good god damn and my voice is fucked so your um, voice
1: sounds amazing hey (laughs) I was thinking, I want that voice I've got extra
0: bass today But yeah man, so guys, you're going to have to bear with me today I'm hanging, but we're here, we're here, we're here And for this episode, you know, we're going to be talking about fashion We're going to be talking about what it is to exist in a cisgendered heterosexual world as a non-binary human Amen Uh, We're we're also going to talk about race you know, how does race and inclusion fit within the LGBT community at large? I mean, I've got my own opinions, but I can't wait to involve you in that conversation just to open things wide up. But before we do that, you guys know exactly what time it is. Question time. It is question time. Santi, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Firstly, well, actually, actually, actually. For anyone who may be tuning in to the f- for the first time, let me break down what this question time game is. So I'm going to ask the guest a series of questions that they ha- They don't know what it is. They have no idea what these questions are, and they've got to answer as quickly and honestly as possible, right? So, the, oh, no. the, yes, it's time <laughs> to go, right? So what are your preferred pronouns?
1: They slash he.
0: Okay. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Vancouver, Canada.
0: Well, that kind of answers the second... Oh, actually... Where are your people from? What's your heritage?
1: Italian. So, yeah, I'm Italian as far back as I know.
0: (laughs) If you could pick your biggest pet peeve in this world, what would you you say it is?
1: Number one pet peeve is flakiness. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. I hear that. What's your favorite food?
1: Oh, my favorite food is probably gnocchi if I have to pick something savory, but ultimately my favorite food is
0: chocolate. Right, (laughs) right. So gnocchi... The round, puffy kind of thing. Yeah, potato Potatoes. Dumplings. Right. So I have thought it was potato, but then I was quite like a bit confused whether it was pasta or not.
1: It's kind of in the middle. It's a hybrid. It's potato, flour and egg. So it's like... Okay. Yeah.
0: I get it. I get it. So when it comes to your fashion, right, you've got an incredible sense of fashion, which is truly unique to you. And I can see that you, when you've got your, when you've got your clothes on, you're good to go. And you look like you're kind of in your elements so, or... What is your fashion inspiration? Where do you find that inspiration for the pieces and the looks that you're serving?
1: I mean, it's kind of a mishmash of things. Like, I love androgynous fashion, which I know is like, what is that? But Mm -hmm. I think I love, like, it's like a hybrid of my emo days mixed with, like, like old school, like, skate culture mixed with a bit of e-boy.
0: Wait, what's e-boy?
1: It's kind of like an evolution of emo. It's kind of like a popular, it's like, e-boy slash pop kind of it's emo reimagined in a popular culture sense
0: got you okay so it's
1: kind of like pretty boys who wear makeup and nail polish and like kind Uh of have a bit of a rocker style mix of like skate
0: yeah i don't know why yeah I just feel like singing, because I'm not just a teenage dirtbag, baby. baby. That was my favorite. I still
1: love that song. Absolute vibe.
0: Yeah. It just felt timely. It just felt timely. So good. So do you speak any other languages besides, I guess, English?
1: I mean, Italian was my first language. I don't think I'm very fluent now, but I understand everything. And I can interact, but not super well. Oh. I learned French for seven years, so and then I learned Japanese and Korean in university. But I think I can only read and write those latter two languages now, the best. But I can I can get by.
0: That's pretty but, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait. Probably like 2022, 2023. Japan is oh, on the list. Nice. It is on my bucket list. Like, I want to ski because mm-hmm. apparently their skiing is insane out there. So I wouldn't mind trying it out. But I also want to go and just be a complete tourist. I usually like to do the whole traveler rather than touristing. Mm. But I actually want to do the touristing in Japan and experience everything.
1: There's so much to see. I was only in Tokyo for three days, but it blew my mind. And if you want to go into a place where they've got amazing fashion, I mean, Mm -hmm. next to London, Tokyo is like the next. Their street
0: street fashion is insane. I actually buy a few things off of um, Wish. Oh, they have nice. like they have like incredible Japanese street um, street fashion items on that site.
1: Oh wow! So
0: yeah, look, we digress. We <laughs> digress. <laughs> so who would you say your is your like your favorite icon within the LGBT plus community?
1: Oh, that's a really tough one. Mm. I feel like because I grew up in such a straight world for so long that like my references for actual like queer icons are like few and far between, right. which is really weird. Who is my queer icon? I gotta think about this one. Do
0: you know? I don't even know if I have one. Not not someone that I can think. Yeah. Off of the top of my head, I think there are, for example, the likes of Graham Norton. Mm. He, I wouldn't say he's my icon, but he was my first gay reference when mm. he used to do like TV on Channel Four, and so I'm trying to think like who is super lit. I mean, I know I.
1: All I want to say is like Justin Bieber, but that's such a faux pas. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber is like my style reference, like it's my everything reference. I swear, like I love, I love Justin Bieber. Do you know what? Just on that note,
0: <laughs> fuck Justin and his dreadlocks, bro. Take oh them my out, gosh. bro. Get rid yeah. of them, man. No,
1: he did, but Are still, why did he even get them? I mean,
0: yeah. I-, I could answer that question, but hey, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> if you could think about one item of clothing that you could not live without, so you're you're on a, you're on a desert island, yeah, right. They said they're going to bring one item of clothing. Mm. What item would it be? Utility vest, 100%. That's like, I don't know, like with the pockets and stuff yeah. like that, right?
1: Yeah, my my Raver's utility vest.
0: What color? What color it's is?
1: purple and like blue swirls.
0: I've seen you in that. Yeah. That's, it's bold as fuck. It's my
1: favorite. I don't
0: know how you do it, man. I could not pull that off. Yes, you can. Uh, I mean, purple could go with, this, with my skin tone, but I need to get a utility vest in general. Yes. N- remembered self. All right, so... What makes you feel at your best? What is it that needs to happen in order for you to feel completely at one with yourself?
1: I think there's probably two things. I think one of them is just exercising my creative, my creativity mm-hmm. when I'm just like creating things, when I'm making things and sewing and drawing and just like sitting there on my floor with a huge mind map full of ideas and just, mm. you know, I just feel so euphoric and I feel like I'm, I'm me. I don't know. Because right. I think that often you know a lot of the time during the week especially when I'm doing other things I feel like I'm not exercising my creativity I think when I'm in my creative practice I'm really in it and I think also like public speaking and like all, anything I do a gender swap I think I feel like really at one but I think second of all I think traveling is a big one too and yeah when it's like me myself and I in my backpack and kind of going around and I have time to sort my thoughts out and meet people on a whim and I don't know I think
0: I just feel so I feel really good mm, yeah traveling is definitely I would say like that is a big one yeah like if I could if I could travel once a month and that's like I'm, when I say travel like outside of the UK mm-hmm. I would be at my absolute best yeah I'm like my best self when I'm out of the country but then I yeah. don't know if that's because I'm on vacation or if that speaks to the vibes in England mm. not sure So then if I flip this on its head then, what makes you, what triggers like feelings of anxiety and you not feeling grounded? I think when
1: I feel stifled and contained and Mm. when there's there's really like, I feel like my life is too regimented and there's not enough spontaneity and creativity and freedom to express, I get really upset. I think also I'm quite a social person and I've got a few of my besties that I love hanging out with. And when I don't get that kind of social outlet, I tend to feel really kind of dragged down and frustrated. Mm. But I think ultimately any sort of like regimented schedule or um, too much repetition, I really don't feel at my best.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I hear that about the repetition. I need variety. Yeah. Like variety and like the ability to to select from that variety rather than it being kind of forced at you that you have to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I rock with that. Okay, yeah. so we, we're on the last couple of questions now. <laughs> so... If you could go back in history and erase one law or one social standard, what one would it be?
1: I mean, I think it would be anything to do with opp- oppression against, mm. I mean, against women. And I mean, I, it's hard because I would feel like I would obliterate most, most laws back in the day, kind of oppressed all
0: right. marginalized
1: folks in some way, shape or form. Mm. So mm. I think like my go-to is just... Even being able to vote is like a big one. Mm. Like kind of taking down those barriers from stopping people to vote. Yeah, I hear that. Anything that oppresses women in marriage laws as well, things like that. But to think of like one exact law, I can't.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about what you were saying about with marriage and stuff, that seems to be a topic like over the past maybe, like, three, four years that it's really started to surface. I think there was, like, something like Sarah's Law or some kind of law mm. which was passed that was, like, that allows people to do, like, background research into the people that you're dating and, like, you can... I think you can go to, like, the police station and, like, check in about someone because there's so much domestic violence that's happening within, like, relationships, I yeah. guess, and within homes and a lot of these per- perpetrators aren't new to the scene. Like, they've done been doing this and have a track record. So, and I hear that. I, I... I don't know. I think a social standard that I would want to eliminate is just conformity. Mm. Because I feel like conformity is at the root of many things. Yeah. And like if even like things like racism, right? Mm -hmm. Like the need for people to fit within a box, the need for people to be who someone wants them to be rather than just allowing it to be organic. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say like just conformity and pe- that that need because I think it would eliminate a lot of issues that we yeah. have now.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good one because there's like most of the structures that we have are ones that kind of, yeah, get people and pigeonhole people, right?
0: Right. And even like with pronouns, right? I, I met a really lovely person in... Well, actually, scrap that. I was in a bar yesterday with a group of my friends and one of my friends... Hey, Aaron, shout out to you. Um, he, we were talking about pronouns and I said, actually, they and them feels right, the closest thing to it, right, but I actually have identified something else that feels better, Meg. Mm. Just call me Meg. Like, because I kind of feel like they and them, and even being non-binary as a term, is still boxing myself in. Mm. And that still—it still, it still doesn't speak to the nuance of who I am. Yeah, Like, as two non-binary individuals sitting down talking, we have shared similarities, but we have many differences also. And I'm like, actually just using my name as a descriptor encompasses everything. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start to request that people just refer to me by my name.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And
0: actually, and the reason why I brought Aaron up anyway was because I said that to him and he was like, that resonates so deeply. And we just had like this moment in the middle of this bar where it was like, yes, because ultimately this is about identity and Identity is about your in what makes you individual, mm. you know. And for me, my name does. It's not that Megan is a particularly rare name, but I dare you, audience. I dare, I dare you to what uh, show me ten black Megans. I mean, there's Megan Good, then there's me. There was Black Megan from church. There was Harry's Ting, the mixed race girl. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of elevated us, but it's quite a rare dynamic to have someone mass presenting with such a feminine name, which is a typically European name at that. Mm. So, um, yeah, man. So for those people that want to work with my pronouns, just call me Meg. So I think we're at a point where we can just jump into the topics. Let's get into it.
1: Yeah?
0: Yeah. Cool. So for people who, for people that, I guess, I say for people that don't know you, but all the listeners don't know you, but <laughs> like, how would you describe yourself to an individual that doesn't know you?
1: Oh. I would say I am, ooh, that's a difficult one. I think I'm actually quite weird. <laughs> I think weird, fiery, okay. <laughs> creative, very blunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My bluntness tends to get me in trouble sometimes. Yeah, I'd say I'm quite like driven and a go-getter. I'd mm-hmm. say most people kind of view me as such.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, like what was the first one that you said again? Because that was like. weird. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So why weird? Because I, that's it. I'm a proper weirdo, and I love being weird. I love being alternative. I love being kind of like abstract, if we want to call it that. Ooh, but yeah. But why, why weird for you?
1: I think I just have really sort of niche interests, and I kind of, I sort of float all over the place. I mean, I have a very cohesive understanding of my core self and sense of self, but I kind mm. of have my hands in a lot of different like pots, so to speak. Like I love Pokemon. I love like thrifting, which is not necessarily like a niche thing. But I like, you know, I I have a lot of like weird YouTube interests. I don't know. I think that like I'm very social, but I'm also really socially awkward. Like, you know, like for for every one thing that I am, I'm also like another thing that counteracts that thing. (laughs) So I think, you know, I'm really into conspiracy theories. Like I can go on and on. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm just, I think I'm a little bit kind of, odd i get i get (laughs) like a
0: number of contradictions exactly a number of contradictions which speak to each other but they don't
1: exactly right right, and i think it's hard sometimes to like i can really relate to people and then sometimes i'm just you know i say something really like off the path where they're just like what i've never heard of that you know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah so like how does being a social person kind of play out with social awkwardness for you because like people that Tend to be social, socially awkward. Tend to be more introverted by nature. So how do the two exist, and what does that look and feel like?
1: I think for me, I, I small talk is excruciating. I'd rather mm. not talk, or I'd rather go in really deep. So yeah. I think I have a tendency to like put a whole bunch of weird topics out on the table before I even get to know people, <laughs> which people are just like, "Who showed up? Like, you know, what are they even talking about?" Kind of thing. I, I think I tend to overintellectualize a lot of things sometimes. Yeah. And I think also as much as I am a social person, I also really need to kind of go away and recharge my social batteries. Mm. So I think what happens sometimes is I can connect with people really deeply and intensely because I only can get into deep topics or nothing, but then I tend to retreat. You won't hear from me for a few months and then I'm kind of back in another weird place kind of doing. So I think what it looks like for me is that I can be hyper social. However, I don't think I particularly follow like a social formality when I'm like, talking or engaging with people so Mm. so that's it's a real big hit or miss you know some people are really up for it and other people are just like I really don't feel like talking about this right now
0: you know yeah that I was actually having a conversation just yesterday about many environments that I'm in currently are just far too small Mm. far too small and I've I've been having like these weird feelings which I've been really struggling to describe and I think that it, it, it boils down to that like I, I require more what I, I've grown as a person and what it is that I require now is more than what I'm receiving and I recognize the frustration that was building up in me toward that and actually feeling quite resentful towards mm-hmm. people because I'm like I'm not getting what I need but I'm perfectly providing with what you need and there's an imbalance so I definitely kind of Anyway, I've kind of gone off on the tangent on that. Uh,
1: Anyways, I do relate to you, what you're saying, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So let's kind of get into early doors, Mm. young Santi. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, what was growing up like for you?
1: Growing up for me, I don't think was very sort of happy experience, to be perfectly honest. Like, I Mm. grew up in a very sort of tumultuous household, a very traditional Italian family Mm. structure where there wasn't a lot of leeway for self-expression. I mean, I did a lot of sports. I was a really active kid. I think I just didn't really have the space to really, yeah, like I said, like express myself. So growing up, honestly, I don't really like reference it a lot because Mm. it's just so far. It's, you know, it's obviously a piece of who I am, but it's so far removed from like what I am now. Mm. But I'd say if you went back in time and met Santi back in the day, the similarities, there's almost none, I think. It's just, yeah, there's a big discrepancy between how I currently live and how I was brought up.
0: Right, 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 yeah. right. right. I, I, and I think for many individuals, we experience, we experience that kind of radical change. Yeah. You know, and, like, when you look at pictures of, say, me at, I don't know, 14 in my little black school skirt, flouncing around with, like, these massive boobs just mm. in my feminine energy to now – it's completely different. Yeah. I think even who I was 10 years ago, I'd like to believe anyway. It's, I'm almost unrecognizable in terms of my mindset, my behaviors, my belief systems, the energy that I have within myself and the energy that I overall keep around me too, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel that. And what do you, if you could pick like maybe like three or four character traits of like the younger you, yeah. how would you describe that person?
1: I'd say very studious. I'd say conflict avoidant, like always kind of, or that's not maybe the right term, but I wasn't good with sort of standing up for myself. Very active and still very creative, but I'd say sort of stuck in a bit of a shell and loved to read. I loved to, well, studious. Yeah, I loved to just kind of escape with books. That was sort of my thing. Now so you were a bookworm. Yeah. Now I do a lot of Social media reading.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Don't don't we all? Yeah. (laughs) So, like, it's interesting, like, just pairing together, like, a couple of words that you've used to describe yourself before and after. Because I think it was, like, the second word you used to describe yourself now is fiery. Mm, And then, like, that put against, you know, like you said, not feeling like you could stand up for yourself and stuff like that. And, like, not being able to stand up for yourself in your younger years, why do you think that was?
1: Well, I grew up in a really strict home, like very patriarchal home with sort of the head of the house being my dad, like a male-dominated household where it was really, you know, there wasn't really any say except what the dad thought, you know, he made all the kind of final decisions. And I think that sort of ended up, the way that I conducted myself at home ended up permeating my social, you know, my social engagements at school and in other kind of areas of life. So... Think I was always taught to kind of keep my mouth shut in order for things to just run smoothly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I it's interesting actually because I had a very similar experience about like sticking up for myself and stuff, but it came from a slightly different angle because I grew up in a matriarch family. Like in the Caribbean, like women women run the roost. You know, I never really understood that patriarchy existed because that's not really a don't really see it play out in the same way as you do in the Caribbean so for example in Jamaica specifically if you go to a lot of food restaurants which is Jamaican food restaurants or a lot of Jamaican homes you see the men in the kitchen Mm. like regular regular so like even some of those things don't really line up yeah I grew up in a matriarch family and my mum is very gentle she's a very gentle kind-spirited person and she raised me in that way so like it was like and no, no violence, so, so like no shouting, no cursing, no mm. breaking stuff, just no aggression in general. And because she was always treating me so well, I wasn't used to people's fucked up behavior. I was like, ah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like is it me or is the world a ghetto right now? So I definitely was used to a certain way of being treated and dealt with. And because it had been drummed into me about this being kind, turning the other cheek, walking away that when I was faced with many scenarios, like in primary school, early high school, I found it very difficult because I took it so personally because I just wasn't Mm -hmm. used to being treated like shit. And I didn't have the skills needed to rebuttal back and give people what for. And my mum would talk to the teachers and say, you know, look, these kids are giving Meg a really hard time and teachers are shit at dealing with that. My mum said, Megan, you've, like, I've always been rude. I am feisty as hell. Like (laughs) I've got a mouth. My mum said, Megan. Use your mouth. Whatever you need to to do to sort this out at school, do what you need to do. And it was kind of like she gave me permission to unlock something that she could see in me. But I didn't know I had that. Mm. And it was just because of how I was raised, you know? Yeah. Mm.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think even more so me being so passive when I was younger and letting a lot of things slide has speaks to why i've got zero tolerance for a lot of shit now i'm like yeah, ah, i long. relate to that yeah it's long yeah mm. ain't nobody got time for it literally like i've got no time for foolishness and also i'm very intolerant to injustice mm. and when i see other people being mistreated like i can't bear to see that mm. at, all, at all and i think that probably is where where it all derives from so as you you mentioned in the in the quiz you know you Your pronouns are they they and them. I know you as a non-binary individual. So, like, if we think from childhood to now, do you think you've always been non-binary? Or is this kind of a part of you that's developed and it's like, actually, I've shifted into a new person who identifies as non-binary? Like, how has that journey been for you? That's such a
1: difficult question to address, and it's one that I think about a lot because Mm -hmm. I think that, like, I think that I expressed my myself in a very when I could in a very sort of gender nonconforming way. I always had sort of gender nonconforming tendencies. I don't think I always was very sort of um, stuck to anything feminine or the term woman or girl or any of that. Mm. I think it was always just things that people called me that I was like, oh, okay, cool, I'll get on board with that. I did a lot of kind of soul searching and figuring myself out only in the past maybe five or six years, really. And it was sort of through my relations with other people and, you know, with folks within the LGBTQ plus community and just kind of, I don't know, it just there was something really distressing that was happening sort of in my later 20s, which was that everything I wore and everything that the way that I was expressing myself, like it just I felt stuck and I felt not right. And I questioned everything to the point that I got like just made a mess of my own mind like I'd be Mm. like oh I really want to wear boxers but boys wear boxers so I can't wear boxers but am Mm. I a boy am I not a boy Am I semi boy does that can I wear you know everything was so agonizing and it just happened kind of all of a sudden and that's when I started thinking okay right I need to sit with myself and like see sort of you know what's going on I guess retrospectively if I look back I can outline so many experiences in which like highlight that I was non-binary from a young age, mm. but then I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a mix of both, mm. you know? Mm. I don't even know if that answers your question at all, but like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. I think it's just been a progression, but there's been tendencies, you know?
0: Mm. It's like the seeds. Yeah, The exactly. seed and a plant that grows. Yeah. And like, you know, if I put it like this, you may not know what plant the plant is as it grows out of, this, out of the soil with like one or two leaves in the stem, but as it starts to blossom, you can identify, okay, that's a rose, that's a yeah. tulip, you know. So I, I kind of process it, process it, process what you're saying kind yeah. of similar to that. I think I've always been a non-binary babes. Mm. I was a, definitely a non-binary babes. I was just androgynous as fuck mm. <laughs> in my younger years. And my teenage years when I was a lot more feminine, I think that I was very influenced by... Firstly, I wasn't buying my own clothes, you know. I wasn't wearing my, I wasn't buying my own clothes at a teenage age, and the clothes that you'd buy a kid versus a teenager is slightly different. I had a full body, I mean, like I had bum, breasts, and the hips from like a young age, mm. you know. So all of that started to come into to play. But I definitely think that I wanted to try and simulate my environment and to be like the other black girls that were around me because they looked like they were having the time of their life, and I was like, I want to, that, I want to try and understand that. But I think the older I got, the more I realized that like. I was actually involved in it, but because I wasn't enjoying it and it wasn't fulfilling me, like, I didn't realise I was actually immersed in that. And I was like, okay, I was 15, 16 and decided, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? How do I want to live? And I think that's quite a young age to start making such big decisions, but definitely, definitely did. Yeah. And I think that even with being non-binary, for me, it's just a language. For me, so I know for many people, it's far deeper than that. It means so much to them now I respect and honour that. But for me it's language, it's a word, it's a descriptive word for other people, for them to try and understand where I'm coming from rather than it actually mirror reflecting who I am. Mm, yeah. Um, I've always been Meg. And I there's like, I'll show you some pictures actually of me growing up, my mum sent them to you. I was like, I was, I was a cool little kid, you know. You should have saw me <laughs> my little dungarees and my little t-shirt. Look, I looked fly. I definitely looked sad. I was like, that definitely is not a, a girl child. Mm. It, it, it definitely is not So you were saying that there was a period of time where you felt like there was like an inattention, yeah. where, you know, perhaps your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, they weren't cohesive. And you were trying to understand why they weren't cohesive. So like, what? What kind of things did you do to try and find that inner peace? Because I think there are many people in our community. I was like, shit, that's real. That's, but, yeah. a very, like Ooh, that's a very that's
1: a really good description a sketchy ass neighborhood <laughs> you
0: know that's what that's that's what they said and it really resonated with me that like the mind is the battleground and there are a lot of people still battling with that so I guess I, I asked that question to also understand for myself but I think this could there could be some golden nuggets for for some people that may be still going through that
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess we're kind of getting to it and that's sort of why I started Gender Swap. For me personally, it was really important for me to experiment with my style and my form of expression. I know that like expression doesn't always equal gender, but for me, it was so important to kind of experiment with the way I was presenting to people and and presenting out in the world and how people were perceiving me and interacting with me and going off of that, Mm. those sort of interactions. That's where I could kind of navigate and figure out where I felt best and how I wanted to kind of identify going forward. I think, right. you know, when I, growing up in a strict family where I didn't have a lot of room to, I guess, express myself in the way that I wanted outside of femininity, let's say I kind of, it was important for me to explore like masculinity and androgyny and, and whatever, and kind of experiment with clothes and just with hairstyles. And like, I used to wear tons of makeup and I kind of scrapped all of that and, and, mm. Just like that kind of made me, it brought some inner calm because I'd be like, oh, I really feel good in these baggy jeans and this oversized t-shirt. Cool. Oh, yeah. And that's making me feel a bit more kind of like, I don't know, maybe boyish, maybe more genderqueer. And then I guess the second thing is for a lot of people, like labels aren't important or certain terms or language isn't important. For me, it's it was and kind of still is. It's less now, but it was very paramount to figuring out who I was because you know someone who likes to read and research a lot I'd be on I don't know like on Google on Tumblr like looking Mm. at all the different gender descriptions all the flags just kind of being like oh that's so neat oh I kind of relate to that I'm gonna pick and choose and that feels true to me that doesn't Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a mix of yeah focusing on material things so like aesthetics and labels to see kind of what fit right.
0: right and
1: also with the help of like people that I was dating at the time that were kind of like what about you know have you thought about doing this and it's okay for you to wear those boxers. I still think you look cool or whatever, you know, Right, like there was a bit of an external validation or maybe like affirmations that needed to take place for me to be like, oh, okay. Because for me personally, I think, you know, in my younger years, my identity was very much connected to desirability and this worry that people wouldn't find me desirable or attractive if I presented in a certain way. Right. And I kind of, burst out of that and that's why I think like expression is such a key part of what I work on and like what my work encompasses Mm. because it really brought me to who I am today
0: yeah yeah that's that that's really interesting like the journey Mm. that journey and for many people who have entered the world and everything has just worked for them or it felt like it fitted and everything was kind of designed for them natural I don't think that Some individuals really understand the importance of clothing and how you piece yourself together to, you know, as part of that expression. Yeah. I know that if I were to try and, because with, I guess with me, femininity is a very, again, a very loose word to me. It's a very unique and individual way. Like my femininity probably doesn't look like one of my best friends, Charlotte's, if that makes sense. But for me, I think if someone made me, if I had to go to work in a dress, my performance would be shocking that day
1: oh my gosh same
0: (laughs) you know I would not be able to I would feel so uncomfortable yeah and I think that like over the years I consistently reinvent myself yeah from an image perspective like I just and I I guess most people do irrespective of your gender identity Mm. your, your fashion changes over the space of time you know but I love skinny jeans I love skinny jeans I love fitted clothing, which, cause I'm not the tallest of people anyway. Mm. So it allows me to kind of elongate my, my body. I have super, super long legs and I love that. And tight jeans or fitted pants really allow for that. However, what I will say is if I wake up on a, in a, on a day where I'm feeling a bit more feminine, that's not gonna work. Like if I wear, no, if I wake up feeling more masculine, sorry, that may not work. And I, it, there is this, I have to check in with myself in the mornings kind of see where I'm at because if I wear the wrong outfit which doesn't fit my kind of fluid nature I will fall really really off even though they're my own clothes
1: I'm exactly the same I check in with myself every single day mm, what and does a
0: check-in look like
1: a check-in for me literally looks like me opening my chest of drawers and staring at my clothes or standing at my clothing rack and kind of literally touching and feeling and looking at my clothing pieces and being like mm, do I feel like that You know, like there's an actual sort of connection I'm making with my clothing pieces. Yeah. On top of the fact that sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling like ultra mask like or I'm feeling like nothing. I just feel like I just want to wear tons of yellow today, Mm. you know, as I am today. And that's I just felt like wearing yellow and gray. So like my entire outfit is yellow and gray. It's just kind of literally being like, how am I feeling? What do I feel like? What color am I gravitating towards? Mm. How do I feel in my gender today? And I think it's so important to journal those things as well in the morning if you can. So I try and do that as well.
0: Uh, That's interesting. I don't journal, but I... Well, let's say the last couple of days I've been journaling because I'm beginning my my therapy journey. As you guys will know from a previous episode, my previous therapist ghosted me. Indeed, that happened. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like, I just never heard from the chick again. Like, it was like, (laughs) literally, it was like one call. And then after that, I never heard from her again. Like, she was not responding to my emails. I was like. That's weird. Yeah, super weird. So I'm using BetterHelp. And there are online platform which allows you to get access to a therapist via a digital platform, so you can have telephone calls, video calls, or messaging. And you, I have even though I have like weekly forty minute therapy sessions, I'm able to message my therapist like through the messenger platform, which is really good. And a part of the, one of the features on there is journaling, so I can journal and keep it um, private, or I can allow my therapist to see, so they can see. Um, kind of where my head has been at and i think Mm. actually i might start to include what you just said into that process in the morning yeah
1: it's i I found it really helpful Mm. yeah
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i'm thinking like gender is such gender has become an increasingly confusing thing for me over the past say maybe since lockdown Mm. lockdown has definitely shifted something in me where I'm like, I I just, I really want to be free of all things and I just want to exist and dress how I want to. And with that, what I've noticed is that I don't want to be in spaces, even entertained spaces, which force me to operate outside of what is authentic. So, for example, my job. I mean, it's a great job. I I love what I do. Um, The company's pretty cool, but I have to wear work clothes. I don't want to wear work clothes. I want to dress like I'm wearing a two piece tracksuit, a light gray tracksuit, and that's what I want to do. I want to go to work wearing that. And sometimes I push my luck a little bit, and I, you know, but I'm like, okay, what that means is that I want to 100% transition into self and being self employed. Yeah, me too. I (laughs) want to only interact with people that are positive for my well being. I think there are so many kind of microaggressions and ignorance and stuff Mm. that's just not healthy and it's not conducive to like my mental well-being and overall sense of who I am and being proud. And like, there's a, I've noticed there, especially in like the professional world that, you know, there's a way of being and thinking and doing, it's almost like it's unspoken law. And I don't even think people are aware of it unless it doesn't work for you. And it's like, even the way that people are like, oh, but could you do this? Maybe you could work in that way. And I'm like, that's not me. Like my thought processes don't flow that way, so actually, what you're asking me is far beyond the actual task. Or what you're actually asking me to change the way that I think and behave and believe. And I'm like, it's a bit more. It's a bit too much of a compromise, if you ask me. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I find it really difficult to work for people and work. Yeah, because like you said, they try to slot you into a box. You got to wear specific things. It's just yeah. I I find for me wherever I can't express myself, I just again it goes back to your initial question of kind of what makes you feel sort of like frustrated and angsty and anxious and it's like feeling contained in any kind of way you know
0: mm-hmm. you yeah, mm-hmm. or
1: confined or
0: yeah one question that i was supposed to ask you earlier and it just bounce back what mm-hmm. does non-binary mean to you because i have people asking me all the time meg like what what is non-binary right and i'm like well to me <laughs> as for me this is what it means you know and i guess i'll share you know for being non-binary to me is it's basically a mirror reflection of my inability to commit to things in general. <laughs> like like <laughs> being non-binary gives me the space to be whoever the hell I want to be at any given moment. And that can be a radical shift from one thing to the complete other. And it just provides a bit of flexibility and versatility and range, which I love. And there's, I love the fact that it's similar to being like genderqueer, again, like even being queer It's because I like guys like 10%, you know, but it allows for that flexibility. Like being a lesbian felt very, very, like you can't like men. And I was like, I'm oppressing myself even within this, but being genderqueer allowed for that 10% allowance. And being non-binary is, it fits on a very similar spectrum of like, just allows me to be free without worrying about, I say that, but then that's not ultimately true. But yes, it just allows me that space to be whatever it is and to show up however I want Yeah. in that. So what does non-binary mean to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm under the non-binary umbrella, but I think mm. the term that sort of I feel most kind of connected to is genderqueer ah, because I okay. experience my gender in a really queer, like literally in a really queer way. I mean, like historically genderqueer kind of like referenced, you know, queer, like gender non-conforming, cisqueers to an extent mm. although i mean it's more layered than that wait but, hold
0: on wait cisqueers so that's someone yeah, that's born they identify with the body that they've been born in but they are queer right got it
1: and they're just like gen- gender nonconforming in their expressions or you yeah. know i kind of like the thing with gender queers i just for me personally the term kind of means that like i experience my gender in a very queer way it's very kind of intangible it's like ephemeral you know it kind of moves on the spectrum or outside of it constantly like I can't even define my own gender because it's so much in flux and so fluid mm. that mm. it encompasses like masculinity and femininity, but also bo- like both of them, but also neither of them because I express both of them in a very kind of queer abstract way Yeah, for me personally. I think like, honestly, like being non, for me, what non-binary means to me is like living in a very abstract identity that's constantly changing. And I think what you said, it's like gender freedom, gender free, mm. I always say gender free because I'm like free from the confines of gender. Not only that it allows me the flexibility, but in, innately so, and like intrinsically, I don't feel connected specifically to a specific binary gender. I just, mm. I, I I don't.
0: Yeah, you know? that's a good point actually, M- me either. Yeah. I feel like a human. Yeah. If that makes sense, I have a human experience and have the ability to I think I get to have like I feel like I'm hybrid yeah. like literally cuz I get to experience like what it is to be a man and um, to be a man and a woman mm. at different times. Yeah. I know I have experience of what it is to be a black man and a black woman mm. sometimes on the same day, sometimes even the same hour guys. But it is this kind of intuitive feeling that it's not static and you can't connect with the static nature of these labels.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I use the term pretty boy for myself a lot because, okay. it's yeah, like I feel like a pretty kind of like femmy boy, but kind of a butch woman, but also like neither of them, like kind of like <laughs> a weird like mishmash of all of them, you know, if you were to make your own homemade yoki and kind of shove all that together and then like, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's undefinable <laughs> really, but I know that I don't. Identify with the gender it was assigned with at birth. Like I'm f- so far removed from it.
0: Mm. I, I, two things actually. The reason why I cracked up is because <laughs> it reminded me of like something I used to say years ago. Like people might not know what sex I am, but they know I'm. They know I'm queer. They're like, I don't know what that is, but that is a that 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 human there is a queer human. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. It just kind of reminded me <laughs> of that. And I wanted to ask, what is the relationship between like, the LGBT community and, and, and identities within that and the Italian culture? Because in Jamaica, you know, it's a, Jamaica's been on a real journey when it comes to accepting and embracing the LGBT plus community. I have to say they've come leaps and bounds from where they have pride in Jamaica, which is oh, wow. a big thing. And it's a, just having that.
1: They've got a new trans org in Jamaica as well.
0: So gonna have They've it? got a
1: new like trans organization ah. and I'll have to figure out the name but my friend works with them.
0: That would be very cool. Yeah. Because I want to do like a whole Jamaica series. Nice. of just like immersing myself. with. I want to say like, I, you know, I not long come back from Jamaica about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Shout, out, shout out to the Jamaican baddies. What? <laughs> hey, listen. Just, I have to go off. I have to go with Peace. Jesus Crispy. Jamaican women are exceptional. God almighty, I've not seen such, oh my God, somebody get me a Jamaican wife, please. Somebody saw me, if you got a friend that's got a friend, I was like, I'm single. I, I've even forgotten what I was talking about. What was we talking about? I got caught up in the midst of Jamaican. Oh, office. Italian
1: culture. Yeah. And, yeah. So
0: what? what is the dynamics between those two communities?
1: It's hard for me to answer that because like, Although I'm Italian, it's really weird. Like I I was born and raised in Canada, but grew up in a very traditional Italian family and was really connected to Italian culture as a young person. But now I like I'm so far removed from Italian culture. Like I still know it as sort of I hate to say it, but I don't think, I mean, it's not very accepted in a lot of parts of Italy uh, to be queer right. and to be trans, and I think there's like a long ways to go, but I think it's interesting to look back especially in representations of, like, even, like, religious art or, like, art forms and whatever, like, in in different, like, cultural forms in Italy. Like, there's so much gender nonconformity and, Mm. like, feminine men and, like, you know, it's so much of that. So it's interesting how there's, like, this sense of, like, really holding on to their history and their art, which has, like, explicit representations of, like, gender nonconformity, but I feel like in everyday life in italy it's still not very open to that right but then i have to like obviously like call myself out and say that's a huge generalization and i actually don't know enough about what's going on in italy and within like italian society to make like a really strong commentary on it so right
0: yeah yeah, right. yeah. I, and i think when you when you look back in history there's all of these points of references and it's evidence which suggests that you know, queer lifestyle, mm-hmm. gender non-conforming expressions were the norm. So, like, in Ghana, I'm not too sure how far back we're talking on the timeline here, but we're talking quite a way back, pre-colonisation, at least that far back. And it was a cultural tradition for a woman who whose husband had passed away to actually get with a woman. And it keeps his legacy alive because she can't then marry on and have children with another guy and so and so on and i'm like what yeah could you listen i would be up for that you know (laughs) i would find the hottest girl in town. i'd be like "Mm -hmm." i'm like once he's out of there i'm in babes
1: (laughs) you should check out god noir files on instagram
0: God X Noir Files. Yeah,
1: and they, I think that's what their Instagram handle is. And they cover, like, a lot of African history, like, pre-colonial, like, African history and, uh, like, uh, showcasing, like, queer and trans representations. It's really cool.
0: People, check that out. Yeah. Check that out. Especially in terms of allyship. If you're, you feel that you're an ally and an ally that sits at many intersections, that you're an ally for many intersections, this would be really useful for for you to understand kind of the POC or the black, specifically the black queer experience as well. So I think that could be useful. And what what was the name of that?
1: God Noir Files.
0: Check it out, check it out. But yeah, Gender Swap. (laughs) It's only right for us to get into it. We've, uh, (laughs) We've arrived. So, you know, let me take two steps back and let you introduce Gender Swap.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think you introduced it really well at the beginning. But Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, it's a LGBTQ plus clothing outreach org that supports trans and gender nonconforming people, like queer questioning people, queer, like all queer people to access clothes and community. And by outreach org, it's an organization that kind of reaches out to you with the resources that like I think you need, but also sort of that's that are produced based on the requests from the community Mm -hmm. and it's just making style resources and clothes more accessible and it's sort of born out of or it's a response to I guess the the lack of queer and trans inclusion in like mainstream fashion right yeah so I started gender swap in 2017 as just a community clothing swap event and then people were kind of attending and being like oh well do you do makeup and oh I need wigs and oh, I actually don't know how to wear these trousers I've just picked up for free. Can you show me how? How can I alter this T-shirt? You know, And so like there was an apparent need and I kind of like, Gender Swap sort of expanded mm-hmm. and included all these initiatives to support people. And obviously, Gender Swap is a very personal thing to me because it's sort of the organization that I wish existed when I was young. Or even when I was still coming to terms with my identity in like my mid-20s, mm-hmm. it would have been a really useful thing as someone who used clothes to express myself and to figure out my identity and i think a lot of people also sort of have expressed how much clothing has been like a important part of discovering who they are so Mm, mm. that's kind of gender swap in a really like short nutshell you know (laughs) yeah yeah and like
0: for for those who sit outside of the community what there are like quite a few terms that i'm mindful that we've used and maybe people don't know who they are but so maybe you could just help provide some um, a bit of a breakdown as to, you know, what is gender non-conforming? Again, yeah, what what is gender non-conforming?
1: Yeah, gender non-conforming basically means someone whose expression, the way that they dress, the way that they present, maybe the way that they even like walk or gesture and move their body in ways that don't conform to societal norm. So an androgynous woman or it could be a, is a gender non-conforming woman or maybe like a woman who doesn't prescribe to having like long hair and wearing heels all the time and i know there's tons of it you know and then it gets very complex because there's so many iterations of being a woman being a man being non-binary that it's like okay well then ha- what is gender non-conforming per se mm-hmm. but like on a very like fundamental level it's someone who doesn't express themselves as one usually would be expected to
0: right yeah so so i'm gender non-conforming then yeah who knew? I learned some of it today, people.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I use so many, like, I use trans, genderqueer, non-binary. I also use gender non to describe myself. Because mm. even, you know, within that, it's like there's a gender non-conformity that I harness.
0: Right, right. yeah,
1: like, yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah. And then queer folks or anyone who identifies as LGBTQIA+, and anyone who kind of, yeah, is genderqueer in any kind of way. And anyone who's also... A binary gender and who is trans and who is maybe in the middle of transition or questioning or maybe has already transitioned but needs help with a new wardrobe. Uh-huh. So I guess gender swap kind of helps all expressions and all genders. And it's not limited to only being gender non conforming and androgynous. Like mm-hmm. it, it can be whatever. The sl- gender swap slogan is be whoever, wear whatever. And
0: I love that. You know,
1: it's kind of like supporting everyone to be whoever and wear whatever, quite literally. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's say, for, for example, you know, we had listeners and they're thinking, I don't know, do I need to interact with uh, Gender Swap? How do I know that this service could be of ser- benefit to me? So how would people begin to connect with within themselves to know that Gender Swap could actually probably be a great space for them to connect with?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many online initiatives going on at the moment, obviously, because of COVID, everything's moved to online. But joining an Instagram live, even going on to like the Gender Swap Instagram feed, checking out the tutorials and like the reels and all of the interviews, like Mm -hmm. maybe there's something that you connect with. Maybe it's just one thing that you hear and you're like, oh, I want to explore that. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is like Gender Swap, I guess, doesn't expect you to come already like knowing who you are and what you want. But Gender Swap is for everyone. It's for trans and queer people, but it's also for cis people who want to learn more about Mm -hmm. what barriers trans people face, it could also be a way for cis people to also explore their gender expression outside of conformity, right? So yeah, engaging with online resources. You can email me, you can DM me, you can join the Facebook free clothing swap page, come Mm. to an event if you're questioning and you're part of the community in some way. The events are a bit more like sensitive in terms of like who can come because obviously it's like a space for people to... Mm -hmm. find their clothes and like do their thing but Mm -hmm. if you feel like you need to be a part of that and that's speaking to you then you're always welcome
0: yeah yeah so like we're talking like fashion we're talking about clothing we're talking about makeup content makeup digital resources there's a lot there's a lot of people and i think if you're again if you're curious and you're not sure check it out i think the instagram page is a really cool first step and i know you've got some really cool youtube content that i've seen you're on my algorithm Nice. Actually, I was talking to Jesse from Queer Culture Club. Oh, yeah. I think that's what, yeah. We did an and, event together. Right. Yeah. So I was talking with Jesse on Tuesday, and they they mentioned you. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> going to be meeting with you today, which was, I was, it's just interesting to see, like, I guess the red threads and the connections within the community, because I'm very far removed. I mean, for the most, for the majority of my life, I've, I suppose, lived, existed within a very heterosexual world. Like, yeah. I have very few queer friends. Mm. Like, I mean, if I've got more than five, I'd be lucky. Like, and five is a stretch. Like, I've like even when I went out last night. Shout out to Super Duper Fly for a fantastic night. Oh. Happy tenth birthday! It was an absolutely cracking night. Everybody turned up, showing out. It was a good vibe. But um, even with that, it's a heterosexual space. So for me, I'm coming into. This community via the podcast, and I'm learning so much, and I'm experiencing so much, and it's all again, it's very, very new to me. So like when I'm speaking to them, like, oh yeah, gender swap, or well, I'm seeing these connections, I'm like, this is crazy to me. Like I didn't even know all of these things existed. Like I found out about an event this week within within the last three days, Max, called Les Events.
1: Oh yeah, Les Events. Yeah. What? Yeah. I was like,
0: Hold on. Wait a minute now.
1: They had a really good Halloween party a couple of years ago,
0: right? Yeah. So there are all these resources available, but I would say you know, guys, check out Gender Swap. Check out the YouTube, the Instagram page. Check out the website as well.
1: I've also got tons of resources on on the website. If you go to the resources tab from February to June of this year. I had like five month long workshops collaborating with different people from the community mm. and every collaborator donated a resource guide that you can actually download from the website. So definitely go check that out. If you're interested in learning how to upcycle a hoodie or make your own brooch, out of scrap fa- fabrics or how to style your hair, etc.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's so much. That's lit. That's, yeah. that's lit. I mean, I'm just trying to, th- <laughs> I'm still stuck on this idea of just me in a dress and I'm sitting here just envisioning like <laughs> it's so fucking wild. But Actually, there was something that I wanted to ask you about because you're only the second person I've heard use this language in my whole life, like binders. So like, what are binders? Why do people use them? And if someone wanted to find them, where do they find binders in this world?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So binders are chest compression vests that sort of flatten your chest tissue so anyone who has like breasts to make it appear flat Mm. for any trans folks who feel like they want that that's who wear them i mean typically trans men or like trans masculine non-binary people or even like yeah any androgynous folks who just want a flat chest that's what they would wear the main companies are gc2b which are based in the states and spectrum outfitters based in the uk Mm. there's also underworks but i don't really recommend them so Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Gender Swap actually has a partnership with g 2 b So yeah, we provide binders to folks in the UK only with a 10 pound donation. And they're provided on the Gender Shop, which is the new online shop that I launched for Gender Swap. Mm -hmm. At the moment, I think I'm sold out of most of them. But if you did want, basically the binders are for people from Gender Swap. They are for people who are like, just can't afford Mm -hmm. a, a new binder. Right. Um, and they're for like low income folks or folks that are experiencing like extreme barriers to accessing transitional items. So, check out the gender shop. You can check out the Facebook swap and shop page, which is a private clothing page where people put their old binders up for grabs. Mm. And if you're someone who can actually like buy a binder, then head to Spectrum Outfitters or GCTB. But yeah.
0: Yeah, because I actually experimented with binding. Mm. I think I was around maybe like 20. How old was I? Maybe like 22, 23. I had to cut it out. My boobs started to look like pancakes. I said, what the fuck is happening? I was like, wait, I don't know. Do I, this was the conundrum. Do I deal with protruding breasts or saggy boobs? And I was like, I don't know if everybody's having this experience or if it's just my boobs, but I was like, (laughs) I'm going to have to have protruding boobs. Like there's a moment when you know you have to make a def- a def- defining defining decision for yourself and that was it and
1: yeah i think over time mm, yeah they can have sort of like a physical effect but some people just can't live without a binder yeah
0: and that, i speak from a very personal perspective and yeah. like not to not to speak for anyone or to minimize the importance for them because this, this this if i start from the fact that <laughs> So my friend showed me and I had a black one. I was like, the way this thing would start, like, like, oh, yeah. so that was certain really things I loved. It. So, like, the biggest benefit I saw was tracksuits that zip up from the chin down. Oh,
1: yeah. Because
0: there's that crinkle piece around the breastline where the zip fucks up a little bit. It's like it's not flat. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It gets a bit diagonal when I'm like, I used to. I Hated that. So that was one of the biggest things for me, and like how my shit, how my t-shirt looked. But then, like I said, I had to have a very difficult conversation with myself because at that time my bust was a lot bigger, and so, like I was thinking to myself, this my my shit. Like when I take this off, I'm not feeling comfortable with myself. So this is a having breasts were never was never much of an issue for me. I mean. If they could have been smaller, that would have been great. But I never had an issue with having them. But for me, I was thinking, when it's time to have sex and I have to take this thing off, I'm not feeling as mm. confident as I did before. So I, so I ultimately stopped. But what that, what I then realised is, is like how sports bras can be a bit of a middle ground.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely, and layering sports bras as well.
0: Ah, wait, yeah. what are you telling me now? You what? <laughs> You can wear two
1: sports. So you can wear one like as you would. Right. And then you can flip a second one around with the racer back on the front because what it does is the straps kind of come up and it flattens you. Now, warning everyone like Mm. it's really tight. So, like, you can't wear it for too, too long. Yeah. But like it works quite well or also vests that have sort of like that elastic fabric on the inside they're I think they're called like camisoles like little women's like yeah yeah. you find them in the women's section but they add like an extra binding layer so
0: is it are you talking about like the bandeau thing yeah but the bandeau
1: is sort of built into like a little spaghetti strap yeah
0: I know exactly what you're talking about I I have I'm having flashbacks from my days of working in retail at and they definitely (laughs) sold that shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) so if we're thinking about like gender swap in the next say two to three years you know what are your ambitions for the brand
1: I would love gender swap to be known globally like worldwide and Mm. for there to be physical locations for people to go into to find clothes to find binders to be able to attend workshops like you know like a trans a queer trans safe clothing haven sort Mm. of I think that kind of going around and doing events worldwide is big on my list and um getting like my own sort of, I guess, clothing line out too, is sort of next on the agenda. Oh,
0: that would be cool. Yeah.
1: So there's like lots of ideas I have in the mix mm-hmm. going on. But I think ultimately my mission is for everyone to feel empowered in the way that they dress and also be equipped with the skills to be able to style themselves as they wish. So I think like if I can travel around the world and like, do really like collaborate with orgs in all different kinds of countries and like work to like bring people these skills and bring people this like creative sort of outlet. I'd say like my plan is done. I mm. guess my mission is done. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. That's I I love the idea of like skill sharing development because yeah. let me tell you a really embarrassing fact about me that you don't know. I don't even know how to sew a button on. I legit don't even know how I. When shit breaks for me, it's over. Like when when my shit breaks or something, it's all right. I don't know how to fix the zip or anything like that. So yeah. I think that that's so empowering, people having those skills. And I've got a friend who, she owns a charity which works with um, schools in Uganda, teaching them how to make sanitary towels. Oh, wow. And the the all teachers, irrespective of, of, of their sex and gender, and teachers, irrespective of their sex and gender, all are taught how to do this. Nice. So it creates resource within the schools because what was happening is that there are many young girls when they when they hit that hit that age, that, that what am I thinking? When they hit that time of puberty, yeah, when they hit puberty and their body starts to change and they get their period, many girls are dropping out of school because they can't take the humiliation. Mm. You know, and you can't say to the school, oh, one week one week out of the month or two weeks out of the month, I'm not coming, it doesn't work like that. Either you're in or you're out. So they're developing the resource in the schools, but they're actually helping people to, to have sustainable solutions in their personal lives. So imagine like a brother could make a sanitary towel for his sister, like that's yeah. that's so cool. And yeah. again, it's about skills, share and development, similar to what you were saying there. I want to do something very similar where developing individuals in the Caribbean, in Africa with as coaches.
1: Mm.
0: Because coaching is such a powerful tool. It is life transformative. And if we can have those skills really honed in and find in honed refined, sorry, in these spaces it would change people's lives. Yeah. So I'm just such a big advocate for, for that. What have been like some of your proudest moments with gender swap?
1: Oh, there's been so many of like, my mm. <laughs> I think actually getting landing funding this year and doing the five-month-long at-home series was, like, a big sort of home run for me because mm. I had been talking a long time about getting funding and just kind of, yeah, not not getting it, but th- this one sort of landed with um, Metro Charity and Comic Relief. And right. it was so awesome to be able to deliver five months' worth of, like, online workshops, digital resources. Like, the I started the YouTube platform. just I met so many people to collaborate with and connect with and just, like, really bring that ultimate support that Mm. I wanted to, but like having the financial means to do so, I think that was a really proud moment. I think also helping a lot of young trans people and running kind of youth workshops and really having frank discussions with young people who, you know, aren't or weren't living in a supportive household and kind of were confused with their gender. Being able to kind of like connect, I guess like holistically and emotionally with young people has been... Just like a really, I'm just really grateful for that experience. Um, And it's been, I'm really, I guess, excited to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important work. So I'd say that I'm trying to think of like any sort of like big sort of, I guess another thing is that this year, Gender Swap got shortlisted for the National Diversity Awards. So it's one of um, seven organizations under the community organization gender category that's been invited to, like, the National Diversity Awards in Liverpool um, for next year. So I really hope to, like, win that award, kind of get that recognition. And then also, I guess, kind of being recognized by Social Enterprise UK in 2020 for one of the leading LGBTQ social enterprises during, like, supporting LGBTQ plus people through digital inclusion in 2020. So mm-hmm. I'd say that's that's a pretty proud moment. That's, a big, that's a, it's mean, a, it's a big thing. I just never, I guess I'm also just, like, I, you know, I kind of, I sort of, because I'm such a spontaneous person, I obviously have plans, but I never know exactly what's kind of coming up next. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect to be here. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but I think I'm just proud that I've come this far, really. Yeah.
0: And I, I rock with that heavy because it's like, irrespective of the outcome of the nomination, like the, fact that you would, the fact that you were, your name has been called as part of it and has been recognized for its contributions, that's kind of the win. You know yeah. that, like you, you have ultimately won, and then whatever happens beyond the nomination, it that like to me, it's almost like that's not here nor there. That's not the win. The win is that you're doing the work, you're visible, and you know. Of course, I want you to get the accolade, all the accolades, all of the flowers, <laughs> for the stuff that you're doing. But I, I, I think it's just important just to congratulate you really on being able to bring an idea and a passion to life because it's not. It, Running the organization is not simple.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> it isn't. It it's not, not. when,
0: and especially when you know your your work. You've got other commitments. Yeah. You know a lot. A lot of these community organizations. You know people have got full time jobs and they're balanced. They're balancing and juggling so many other things. So like, shout out to you for that, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks. I mean, yeah. I I keep saying like gender swap is basically me and then two other people that help and mm-hmm. volunteer and work freelance from time to time. So. Mm-hmm like yeah it's a big sort of operation for one person kind of thing so yeah.
0: shout out to shout out to the team behind gender swap yeah. that are bringing it to life Oscar
1: and Lee thank you
0: Oscar and <laughs> Lee shout out to you man <laughs> I have a burning question mm. and I feel like we're in a good space to transition into that around race racism and the LGBT plus community so it has. So I started going out on the scene when I was about 17. It all started when I was about 17. And instantly I noticed that there were some real gaps. There were some real gaps within the community because it felt like, okay, I was so excited, like, oh, shit, I'm going to get to go to Soho. I'm going to get to go to GAY Late. I'm going to get to go to heaven. I had a fake idea, of course, only, (laughs) right? And I was so excited. But when I got there, I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean... I'm sorry, but I'm not dancing to Spice Girls or Steps. I'm not trying to violate anyone if that's what you like. I actually quite like Spice Girls, but I'm not leaving my house on a Saturday to come and turn up to be dancing to that. That's not that's not what I listen to at home. Mm. I want to hear Vibes Cartel. I want to hear Mavada, I want to hear Jamaica music. I want to hear Afrobeats, I want to hear grime, garage, hip hop. I want to hear all of that. And there was only a few, there was only one mainstream space that did that. And it was like, heaven on a wednesday oh i'm like what the fuck i mean wednesday
1: yeah that's so random right
0: (laughs) and again it's very i mean the queue was around the block going up towards charing cross station as always like it it was ram but i felt like that in itself is very exclusive
1: well it's very telling because
0: like most ethnic minority groups who this is catering for often have to work multiple jobs right so how are they ever going to be able to participate and get involved in something that is ultimately framed for them. But then I did see like a few, of, I kind of, I was involved in that scene a little bit, but then I started to hit places like Carabana, Sugar Rush, Booty, which are run by black event owners um, with black DJs running black music and the space is as black as hell. Mm. I mean, there's black queerness going down. I'm like, this is the vibe. But in saying that, I'm like, these were pockets pocket like, tiny pockets and these are tight these like there's like 3 or 4 events that I've named and I'm like so that's like the whole of london mm. you're from the kind of POC community that are descending <laughs> to these events and it's like hold on but even within this we're sitting on the margins
1: mm. you know
0: when we look at media they're always like these tall white and gorgeous looking humans I'm like what or like if i see people of color then I'm mostly like a light-skinned or a mixed-race person. And I'm like, where's the black representation and the dark-skinned black representation that looks like me within all of that? So that's why I kind of bring it up because I just think that there's something, it's getting better. Shout out to Tutu's podcast. Shout out to Damn Podcast. You know, shout out to Lena Wave, Gina Yashere. Like, Gina fucking kills me. And it's like, I'm sure there is more, but there isn't much more than that. Mm. So it's just kind of like, Is this something that you've observed? And if you have observed it, what did you actually observe?
1: Yeah, I think it is something I've observed. I think in a lot of mainstream queer spaces, it is it privileges, like, white queers. And I think that, like, the culture surrounding that is, like, yeah, it can be quite exclusionary. Like you said, like, having, you know, having an event on a Wednesday night that no one can attend, I mean, why wouldn't they put that event on a Saturday night. Why? Because they don't want to privilege that kind of music in a specific like group of people. I think that, like you already said, I think it sort of permeates kind of mainstream fashion culture and sort of what we see being represented. So people are saying, oh, we're really getting there with non-binary models and androgynous models and gender non-conforming models. But most of them do fit like a stereotype of like a white, tall, thin,
0: Kind of like the Kira Knightley look,
1: con- yeah, or yeah, I guess so, yeah. And I think, I guess, what I've observed is, yeah, I guess like a like a a, a visual discrepancy actually. Like it just seems like a very specific person that goes to a very specific place. Mm. And I think that like with gender swap events or like what has always been the aim with gender swap is to like include as many people and as many voices as possible, and right. you know, doing things like highlighting well you know we had a conversation about Mm. like your experience as a black non-binary person but also like having like black and poc people come onto the gender swap platform to like share their knowledge and things like that i think it kind of involves i think that like a lot of the places that we're referencing and like talking about like i don't think they're doing like they're putting any effort in basically Mm. like there's like no work being done like i think people accept like a specific non-binary identity as being this specific androgynous white whatever Mm. and no one sort of like challenged that and I guess by no one I mean institutions I mean like specific organizations and corporations and also on a very just like basic like everyday social level like you Mm. said in nightlife or in specific shops or boutiques or food places or whatever Uh, you know uh, yeah
0: I don't think it helps with the work that needs to happen within like ethnic minority communities when it comes to being more open and accepting of us as the LGBT plus community like because if there's sh- because I'll tell you this right in a lot of countries a lot of ethnic minority countries well I guess they're not ethnic minorities in their countries scrap that so in many countries where you'll be identified here as ethnic minority being queer, or anything that's attached, to that is considered like white behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like they're like, oh no, no, no. Meg's been in England too long. This is it's white behavior because there's no representation of what it is to be queer of people that actually look like them. And I think it start was really start to break down some barriers rather than seeing us as others within this or that we've been influenced. It helping people to understand actually, you know, we are here. We're visible. There's a lot of us. We're doing great great things in his life, we're more than capable, we're talented, we're, we're happy. We're, well, I can't speak for everyone, you know, but overall, it, it's just creating that visibility and that awareness and just having a one type, one kind of stock image of yeah. who is, does not help that situation.
1: But also like including representations of like people, queer black people, like thriving too, or like POC yeah. people. Like, you know, I mentioned, I think I've mentioned too, like Dr. Ronks, like they're awesome um, everyone, go check out Dr. Ronks. Like,
0: uh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and like, there's like so many other people doing really great work. Like, not so secretly, Shay on Instagram. There's also Edit My Feng Shui, his name, yeah, Tyrell. Like, there's so many people doing like really cool work, but I think it's also like, yeah, platforming those like voices and those people as well.
0: Definitely, uh, yeah. is so imp- so 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 important, yeah. and this is kind of. I think as Meg Talks evolves, really occupying that space and being that media platform that's very well connected to the work that people are doing, to media comms, being able to influence and actually do some advocacy about what is the right thing here and what, what is needed. And I don't want, I don't, I'm just tired of this kind of like dull, drab narrative that's kind of pushed behind what it is to be black in general. And I think you see that kind of in the LGBT plus community as well. I'm like, we're not all alcoholics and drug addicts with no family and hate ourselves. Mm. I'm like, legit, that's not the story for everyone. And I think that we need to be comfortable in being able to say that without having to say, but I know that there are people that, no, no, of course, with the existence that, that is not the truth for some, there is going to be the existence that it is the truth for others. I think we should be allowed to, t- to talk about that. Okay, that's not yeah. the reality. Speaking to quite a few people that I know about their experiences. It's been kind of through the podcast as well. When I ask about childhood, what's growing up look like for you and stuff. And there are so many, if I speak specifically specifically for black people, that they're, they're queer, they're out, and their family are absolutely fine with it. And they're professionally doing fantastic things. And I'm like, hold on a minute. This isn't being spoken about. Yeah. And I just want to balance the scales a bit here. And there's a movement already happening and I'm just, Seeing myself as part of that movement, but it's really balancing the skills because, again, being black, is fantastic. Like, I come from, like, back home in Jamaica, I come from a tribe called the Maroons. And the Maroons, they weren't on slavery. They said, fuck that. And they ran away or they couldn't be captured. And there is a piece of, there's a portion of the island in Jamaica that up till now that it's... There was a treaty signed to say that this land belongs to them, these people are free, and those were my people. And it was headed by a woman. Wow. Who's one of Jamaica's national heroes, you know? So I'm like, that is innately my blackness. And it's fantastic. It kicks patriarchy right in the fucking balls. (laughs) And racism at that. You know, and it's just about being able to bring those narratives, but it takes people of color to be able to bring those stories and to talk about that. You know, like when I was in Jamaica, most recently, it was I. I was a little bit apprehensive. I'm not gonna lie. I'm always a little bit apprehensive and a little bit nervous. But there were quite a few people that were like, well, "We kind of rate, rate, like rate the way you dress. Like, yeah, you look good. They actually liked. It was the clothing that broke the barrier down because they were like, "Oh, I like those trainers. I like that hat. Or I like that. I like. Oh yeah, you're flexing. I'm like, you know my style already. And people really being able to appreciate that. Yeah, I think. I was very open. I never lie about who I am. I'm like, yeah, when guys are like, so... I know there's a couple of guys out there that they, they, they're they still hopeful I may be their wife one day. And I'm like, look, I like, yeah. And when I'm talking to people, they're like, but how, especially with the guys, I said, all right, cool. You, imagine how you feel if another man was to try and touch you or to try and kiss you. I said, that's how I feel. I said, you see the thing that when you look at women and it blows your mind and you just, they just look so scrumptious. That's how I feel.
1: Scrumptious. I that.
0: I'm like, <laughs> I'm like... I align with you more so than anyone else in terms of my heart's desires. And they're like, oh, they're basically, they're like, yeah, man, you're one of the man them, Yeah, <laughs> Meg knows. You know, and it again, I think it's just important that we're able to share our stories and our experiences because that kind of demystifies a lot of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, So if, you know, let's just say we had a waste man, Boris Johnson... Waste man Pretty Patel in here, and a few other government officials or government unofficials. I'm going to refer to them as, <laughs> yeah. If what would you say to these individuals? They're sitting right here, and you could advocate on behalf of the LGBT plus community. What would you be saying to them?
1: There's like a lot, but I feel like I'd be like, wow, ah. no. I think when connecting to people that don't have the same experience as you, it's really important to like figure out. To get them where they can relate in their own kind of worlds mm-hmm. and i think like talking to them and kind of like how you said how you were explaining how your attraction to women is to, and, and then they could get it right yeah and i think like kind of like outlining sort of like a scenario in which like a non-binary person a trans person feels excluded from everyday mainstream spaces and like mm. kind of like walking them through that and asking them like how they would feel if they felt like they couldn't go pee because they could. there wasn't a bathroom that was, like, Mm -hmm. allocated to them and, like, how uncomfortable that would be. And I think that, like, having, like, a frank discussion about the barriers, like, that we face but, like, try and get them to relate in their own experiences is, like, the best way forward. I mean, I know that's, like, a really vague answer because, like, my ultimate, like, response to when you were saying that was to get really, like, infuriated at Mm -hmm. the injustices that, like, towards trans people in this country. Mm. But then I also think that, like, people like that sort of, like, thrive on people's rage and exclusion because that's sort of, like, their mission, you know? But I think kind of, like, chatting to them and, like, being like, you know, what can we do? How can we mm. work together? Which uh, I know... So
0: you're, so you're, you're going for the kind of the awareness... I think people um, are going to cringe...
1: Yeah, and, like, I know people are going to cringe at my response because it's kind of, like, that gross, like, you know, like, work together. But I also... And I like, you know, a lot of sort of like my viewpoints or like the fundamental things that I do are on a radical level. But then I sometimes I think like, OK, we operate within these specific structures.
0: Mm.
1: Like, how can we also kind of get to people right. based on the structures that we already have? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to burn it all down, but I don't know if right. like if just running out there and burning it all down is going to do anything. I'm like, how can we kind of like <laughs> how can we break stuff down and destabilize it? Mm-hmm. by like kind of insidiously getting into people's heads and sort of manipulating the way that they see things. Right. Facts. Facts.
0: I, I, I respect that. <laughs> I, I probably, my answer is probably even worse. I think you had a good answer. Mm-hmm. And I know you kind of, I'm like, I've got nothing to say to you. Yeah.
1: I've
0: got I've got absolutely no words. Yeah. i like, I have no words. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, I've like, got <laughs> nothing to say to you at this point. I'm like, bro, you can't even achieve the shit that you said in your manifesto, let alone what I'm going to say to you. No, like, take my my violence as... It's like a silent protest. Yeah. Which isn't probably very helpful or progressive in the grand scheme of me. But I just... I don't know what I would... I don't know what I would say to Boris because I think I'm more offended by Boris's presence as a black uh, person than a queer person. Yeah. And it's interesting because my blackness trumps my queerness. And I had a conversation with my boss about this that I would take homophobia over racism. Mm. I can absorb that because who I, when it comes to kind of homophobia, in my mind, and it's probably very reductive. And again, this is very personal. I'm not speaking on behalf of the community at large and how, what people feel at large. Mm. But homophobia, if I work backwards, is to do with your sexual preferences, like who you're attracted to, who you have sexual intimacy. What the fuck has that got to do with anything? For me, who who I lay down with and who I'm attracted to in a grand scheme of my life, what has that got to do with the price of bread? But you see my race, we're talking about my ancestors going back, we're talking about my mum, my dad, my nieces, my nephew. This goes far beyond me and if I decided that I wanted to wear a wig, put on a little dress and a look, I don't know, the do girls wear cardigans these days? I don't even know if that's a thing. But I, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, in the comments here, let us know, are cardigans still a thing in this 2021? <laughs> you may not know that I'm queer. I, I could fake it if I really wanted to, but you will always know I'm black. Mm. You will always know that I'm black. The What I've seen... And it's very difficult because I try not to compare homophobia to racism because they exist...
1: Well, they're
0: interlinked. Yes, in terms of the oppression and how that all operates. But I try not to compare them, but I can't help it at times. I mm-hmm. can't help it. And I'm like, nah, I'm more enraged about the blackness. And I think I'll be more looking at boys like, watermelon smiles, eh? So what have you got to say about that, B? Let's let's pick up the conversation here. Like, I think my energy will be more geared around that. But yeah, yeah. there was actually last thing before we wrap up. We're nearly at time. I can't, I can't believe it. But... We've, we've, you've referenced the term trans quite a lot. And I'd like to just spend a few moments just doing a little bit of trans awareness because I, I know that my awareness is quite limited. So you never hear me talk about this because I'm not the person. I'd need someone to come in and have that conversation. And I think that probably there are people that have even less knowledge than me. So what does trans mean more broadly? And what are some of the key facts that people could learn about to try and understand what it is to be trans and the trans experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. I um, mean,
0: and just to say, if I've phrased that horribly, please forgive me because I'm still working on my language and getting my words together. So please do not be offended by if I'm speaking, Lucy, and not not necessarily gay, right? Just spare with, but yeah.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's all good. I mean, I think the trans experience mm-hmm. is like cannot be articulated because uh-huh. I think the one thing that everyone needs to know about. Transness, trans experiences, trans identities—is that they are all super individual and Mm. unique, and they don't follow a specific trajectory. So, like, trans means that someone doesn't identify with the gender that they were assigned with at birth. So, someone was born, and someone said, "Oh, like, aha, it's a girl." But that person grew up and and felt and just you know felt that they were a man, or maybe they were non-binary, maybe they're somewhere along that gender spectrum. Mm. I think like key things that is important to learn is that historically in all of the sort of representations and images that we've been fed is that someone moves from, you know, transitions from being a man to a woman or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And actually that there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of fluidity within that. And that trans just means that you're moving away from the gender you're assigned with at birth, but you're not transitioning right. all the way to the other side oh, of the so spectrum. Does,
0: this so, is going to sound so basic, but right? I'm i hearing myself. I'm like, Megan. So those trans... Is that an abbreviation for transition?
1: It's an abbreviation for transgender. Transgender, but right? Trans is just more of an. It's just kind of it. It's more expansive, and it's an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different experiences.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I, it's yeah, like, it's kind of like the black being black. That could mean anything. Mm. Uh, what the black experiences will be basically will reflect. It will reflect the person. You know, your age, uh, yeah. where you live. Yeah. Oh, there's so many things that kind of feeling. So I kind of, if I look at it broadly like that, yeah, and I get it. So trans is is short for transgender, not transsexual guys. Don't don't that that that's 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 not the right word. Yeah. So I know a few people have been a bit confused. I always mean transsexual. I'm like I, I don't think so. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm like I've never heard anyone use that. Uh, I mean,
1: trans people will use it to refer to themselves if they see fit, but it's not something Queen. that you
0: would call. God, yeah.
1: Or you would use to describe a trans person. So, right. yeah, I think that like a, key, a few key things to understanding trans, the trans experience is one, that they're all completely different and that they don't fit into a box. Mm-hmm. And two, that people don't have to do specific.